0: Hello, Woodlane community. This is Pastor Brian, and you are listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast, Episode 021. If you are listening to this, you are an honorary member of our community where we seek to bring the presence of Christ to those around us. On this week's episode, sometimes we make things more complicated than they need to be. As you begin a worship series in the Book of Revelation, this is bound to happen. People often get scared of the imagery and the interpretations in this book, and understandably so. But just as John advises the churches in the early part of the book, he keeps things very simple. How do we make sure Jesus wouldn't write these same hard lessons to us? John tells us today. Have you ever been surprised in your life? Something that catches you off guard? Maureen, you're, you're rolling not just your eyes, your whole head. I, I'm catching that. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes there's a, a pleasant surprise Get in to see an old friend, get in to see a lot of old friends, get in to celebrate something. Sometimes there's those surprises that just knock us off our rocker. They're difficult to get our bearings back from. Maybe you've been to the doctor sometime and you go in, and the doctor's diagnosis of what you go in with is just wildly different than what you would have thought and 10 times worse. You go in with a cough and you find out it's lung cancer. It can really just rock your world. So many patients have said, if I only would have known, I would have done something different. But people across different scenarios may run into that same kind If I'd only known it was going to work out this way, I would have done something different. If you had experienced anything like that, you can appreciate the situation for today's message. Where we look at a church that failed and study what they did or what they didn't do. So that we can learn from their mistakes. They paid the tuition for the education, we might as well learn from it. It can be difficult to learn, difficult to swallow sometimes, but that's okay. It can still be good for us to do so. Let's pray together. God, help us to learn from your word, even from those parts of it that may kind of make us uncomfortable, may even freak us out. Amen. Well, this morning we start off a new worship series, Dear Church. Now, I could have subtitled this, Love Jesus, because this is one of those times in Scripture where Jesus is actually stated as Jesus is the one who inspired John to write these letters that we're going to look at. We're going to look at a couple of the churches and the letters that John writes in the book, the early part of the book of Revelation. And it can be good for us to look at these lessons, hard as they may be, so that we aren't having these letters written to us. And today, we face probably the hardest of all of them. But again, it can be good for us. So let's just rip the band-aid off and go for it. At Revelation 3, this is verses 1 through 6. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, this is Jesus saying this to John, these are the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have a name for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is on the point of death, for I have not found your works perfect in the sight of my God. Remember what you had received and heard. Obey it. And repent. If you do not wake up, I will come like a thief. And you will not know what hour I will come to you. Yet you still have a few persons in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me, dressed in white, for they are worthy. If you conquer, you will be clothed like them in white robes, and I will not your, blot your name out of the book of life. I will confess your name before my Father and before his angels. Let anyone who has an ear listen. To what the Spirit is saying to the churches, this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Now I've taken you right up to the cliff. Step back just a second. Say have you ever felt safe? You ever felt like things are finally coming together? Things are as they should be. I can finally breathe. I can finally settle in just a little bit. If you've ever had a situation that has a lot of stress to it, and you finally get to that point where things have have come together and worked themselves out, and you can finally just relax and, and let the tension down just a little bit, you get it. You know exactly what's going on here. We kind of experienced the whole gamut of this in about the four months before we bought our house. No doubt, things were great at Blakely Court. But there came a time after we had been there about two years or so, Where the landlord had said, "You know what? We want to get out of the rental business. We're going to sell the house that you're living in," and they were kind. They, you know, told us this before the market was going to go up and everything like that. And they basically said, "Okay, you have three, four months to either buy the place or get out of it." Insert rock your world moment, because we had never. This is the first house we had ever lived in, let alone the prospect of trying to buy one. And now I've got to tell my oh yeah, she's pregnant, wife, this news, with, on the third one, no less, there was chaos. There was, what are we going to do? How does this work? I can't even think of the words to describe it. And that's pretty much how the conversation went. Stress, chaos. But then, finally, over the next couple of weeks, things started to come together. We found a, a good realtor. We started to get a sense of where we were going to get the money for our down payment. We started to understand a little bit of how the process worked so that as it went on, because many of you know it is quite a process, we could actually sort of enjoy this adventure that we were going to go on. Now imagine if that scenario, good as it turned out, had gone slightly differently. What if I had gotten the phone call that said, we are going to be selling the place, you have a couple months to either buy it or get out, and I said, you want to sell the place? Fine. Put it on the market. We'll be in a $300,000 house, keys and all by Thursday. Go ahead. Two things would have come out of that. First off, you would be hearing from somebody else right now. Remember the time when Rachel shot Brian for making the stupid comment towards the realtor or towards the landlord? Let us remember him and his craziness and learn the lessons not to talk that way to a landlord. And number two, that is the syndrome that the church of Sardis suffers from. That is what they need to be healed from. Now, Sardis had it going on. They had all the makings of a great church, a great city in history. They were wealthy. They had a great location. Speaking of real estate, location, 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 right? They were right along one of the major trade routes. They had protection. Physically. Now, we often use the phrase winning the lottery as kind of a metaphor for something that is nearly impossible. Well, back in these days, this is probably about 500-600 BC, capturing the Acropolis at Sardis was the equivalent of winning the lottery. It could not be done. Now, one does not have to be General MacArthur to see how difficult it would be to try and take that fort at the top of the mountain. It was nearly impossible. And they knew this. Hey, we're safe. Let's just sit back and relax. Nobody's going to come after us. Certainly nobody's going to take us over. Until the Persians did. 546 B.C. under King Croesus. Overthrew Sardis. And they got a rude awakening. As they were overrun. And the church got a rude awakening as well. As we see in John's letter, I know your works, he says to the church. You have a name for being alive, but you are dead. You have a reputation for having vibrant church and things are going on and it's hip and cool and all that sort of stuff, but you are dead. Now who would like to have an evaluation like that of your life or your church? As we go into each calendar year, Usually, I keep consistently trying to learn, because growing churches are led by growing leaders, learning leaders. And so there were a couple of books that I had presented to say, let's see which one of these we want to study. I presented three. And it fits the bill that Autopsy of a Deceased Church got zero votes, because it is the most inspiring title that Tom Rainer ever could have come up with. Now, the fact is, this book has some good lessons in it. Good for churches to not end up having these kind of autopsies written of them. But they're hard lessons. Still good for us at the same time. Now some of you may know the name, whether from military or from his presidential nomination as vice president under Perot, Admiral Jim Stockdale and his story. He was a Navy admiral who spent eight years at the Hanoi Hilton, a prison camp in Vietnam. Uh, he was, actually had the distinguished honor of being the highest ranking officer in the Hanoi Hilton. He was asked by Jim Collins how he survived this POW camp uh, under brutal conditions. I won't even start to describe them. And Admiral Stockdale says there were two things that I held in balance. First off, I held the unwavering faith that I would get out. That someday I would be able to see my family again, be reunited with them, be stateside again, I have no doubt that will happen. And in balance, he held the brutal facts of his reality. This was a horrible situation, and it was not going to end anytime soon. In fact, the way he entered Hanoi Hilton was his plane was shot down. As his plane was coming down, he had about 30 seconds before he realized, I need to eject or I'm going to go with the plane. And in that 30 seconds, he said, you know what? He had kind of this realization, this is going to last about five years. This is not going to end quickly. We kind of had the same sort of scenario when said child was born after the chaos of realizing about the house. And Leah being born about six weeks early. God bless us, there was a NICU nurse there from Strong. And as they were getting her ready, you know, after all the chaos and everything like that. And they're getting ready at Newark Hospital to transport her up to Strong. I had the chance to to kind of hang out with the nurse. And I asked, how long is this going to go? Because I knew from other situations when you think we're going home tomorrow and it doesn't happen. We're going home the next day and it doesn't happen. It only takes a couple days of that. You're just shot. And Admiral Stockdale says the people who did that are the ones who did not survive the Hanoi Hilton. The people who thought we'd get get out by Christmas. Nope. Christmas would come and go. Easter, come and go. Thanksgiving, come and go. They were the ones who did not make it out. And when the nurse told me, this is going to be six, eight weeks long. Okay, I can deal with that. Unwavering faith, she will get out of the hospital. She will do well. Can anybody tell us she was born six weeks early? But facing the brutal facts that for the next six, eight, twelve weeks, she's going to be in a hospital bed. Holding those two in balance allowed me, at least, I'll speak for myself, to make it through that. When we face the reality that's in front of us, we can do something about it. So what's the reality in your faith life that you need to face? What is it that has you handcuffed in temptation? You just can't get past. That's putting a glass ceiling on your relationship with God. Here's a chance to just go before God. No sugar-coating it, no cleaning it up, no putting on a Sunday best for the situation because it's just between you and God, and God knows our hearts just as much as what we show on the outside, so there's no hiding any of it. God, I have a problem reading my Bible regularly. God, I have an issue being patient with my family. Whatever it is, here's a chance to just say, God, here I am, warts and all, have at me. When you face that reality, when you name that reality, you can start to deal with it. What about as a church? When Autopsy of a deceased Church didn't make the cut, the book that did, was this book, Growing Young, a book that, kind of in summation, helps develop a, a plan or an approach to reaching a generation with, for Christ where not going to church is the norm rather than the exception. Now, though we're early into it, we realize, and, and as I look at it, maybe a bit longer term perspective, I kind of hold those two stocktail paradoxes in tandem. Unwavering faith that we will get to the point where our demographics have kind of evened out a little bit across the spectrum, that there are people in here in their 30s, 40s, maybe if we go down to the 20s and the teens, but facing the brutal facts that it's going to take a lot of work to get there. And it may not happen in days weeks. One of the things I had learned in in youth ministry is that youth ministry is something that happens over months and years. But there is good news. There is a cure at least. Or at least a step in the right direction. Lay out so much about the brutal reality and everything like that. John says, remember what you have been given. What has he, God, given us? This, his word. And for the Christian, the Holy Spirit as well That helps this word to sink into the right parts of our hearts so that it can get to work. So it can do what only God can do through His Word in our lives. So this week, just read it. For those of you who got you who are students of the Word and you're constantly trying to explore and investigate and learn and, and try and answer all the nuanced questions, everything like that, first off, good for you. But just for a week, put aside the commentaries. Put aside the dictionaries and all the study tools and stuff like that and just read. Now I'm going to suggest hanging out in the Gospels for the very reason that the stories that Jesus participates in and the stories that Jesus tells, it's easy to pull the takeaway out of it. And so I would suggest hang out in the Gospels this week and ask yourself one question as you finish a a section or something like that. How can I obey this? How can I obey this? Now, it's not a matter of coming up with a right answer, because when it comes to applying the Bible, there are many different ways that it can be applied in different situations, in different lenses that we each look at it through. Shana might see it impact a different area of her life than Deanna, and that's okay. And that's the power of the word, that it can do that kind of thing in our life. The point is to come up with an answer, and then do it. And if it feels awkward or weird, or like, I've never done this before, I've never... Go ahead and try it anyway. Because just like the brutal reality that we weren't going to end up in a $300,000 house by Thursday after we heard this news, two years later we're still not in a $300,000 house. And we're cool with that. Just like Stockdale realized his time in the Hanoi Hilton was going to be measured in years, not minutes and hours. The fact is, our growth doesn't happen overnight. And it's okay. But doing this can help us to get over that hump. Especially as you know, we're kind of camping out for a couple of weeks in the Book of Revelation and these letters that Jesus inspires John to write to these churches. You know, we get to that last book in the finale of the Bible, and it's kind of like it's this intimidating thing, like the Book of Revelation. And it scares people. But here, John is saying the solution to that is keeping it kiss simple. Here's the Bible: read, obey, repent, repeat. Read, obey, repent, repeat. Now, last week, we were talking about how when we obey, we start getting the chance to see miracles happen in our lives. And the same kind of thing can happen here, where we often desire to hear those words that Jesus says in Matthew 25. Well done, good and faithful servant. Right? Many people want, just want to be able to hear that at the end of their lives. Well, here's a nice addition to that that John gives. Out of verse 5, if you conquer, you'll be clothed like them, the righteous people, the, the righteous remnant, in white robes. And I will not blot your name out of the book of life. I will confess your name before my father and before his angels. When we obey, Jesus says, I will go before my father's throne say, this one, this one's mine. Jesus would go before Satan, who is the accuser, the one who would try and testify against us before God's judgment seat. Say, remember when this person did this and that and that and they struggled with this and that and that and just try and rattle off all these accusations. And all Jesus has to say, I will confess your name. This one is mine. If you testify for Jesus, Jesus will testify for you. Here's the word. What John says, here's what you've got. Remember what you've received. Read, obey, repent, repeat. Thanks again for listening to the Woodlane Worship podcast. I hope we've given you something to make you think. If you'd like some more information about our community, check us out at woodlanechurch.org or visit our Facebook page at Woodlane Newark. If you happen to be in the Finger Lakes area, come check us out live on a Sunday morning at 9:45 a.m. On next week's episode, there are two ideas that often motivate us, experiencing pleasure and avoiding pain. But how about those times when avoiding pain becomes difficult, if not impossible, despite how motivated we may be? Is there hope for those moments? Is there purpose? Find out next week on the Woodland Worship Podcast.